Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm DM Mitch. And today we are starting what is potentially a new series called Critical Stories, and today we have a very special guest, and I am very excited for you all to hear from DM Jin and the critical story that she brought to us. Also, if you are a Patreon dragon of gold or higher, you can head on over to Patreon now or shortly and find a critical success table that I've made it. Made it? Ooh. Ooh, that's not a word, but I did make it. So definitely check out the critical success table because I think we're so focused on critical failures in our games that I think it would be really fun to have a critical success table ready to go. Wonderful. Before we head into the meet with DM Jen, we have a five-star review to give a shout out to. And this week's five-star review comes from Lord Dunder and it is entitled Solid Resource for New and Old DMs, five stars. I am an old hand to DMing and this is a great resource. If you have never tried DMing, listen to this podcast before you try. It will save you many headaches. I have just started playing with 5e rules and wanted to work out my brain before starting a new campaign, and I got that workout here. The forums have been great. The forums have great info for DMs, and I am listening every day while I work to get some great ideas. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you so much, Lord Dunder. Uh, keep uh, listening while you work. Oh, and we'll keep wow. on making those episodes for you. I hope you make everyone at your table call you Lord Dundar or Dunder, <laughs> whatever. Would. But with that, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. <laughs> So today for the meet, we have a very special guest, and it is Jennifer Hockwald, a.k.a. DM Jin, but like the genie, but then also like her name, because that's awesome, and I've, it makes me happy. And you have an a.k.a., so you're already an immediate friend of mine, as a.k.a. Jote Maniac. <laughs> um, and we have a very, I don't know how to describe it, but like a different topic, but Mitch and I are both super excited to have this conversation. But before we do that, we have something that we always do. Jen, are you ready for your surprise question? Because we're jumping right into it, right? We're jumping right into it. You didn't really give Jen a chance to say Oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> just so excited. There, I just wanted to get past all of it and get to the... You're I don't too care. excited. I want to go to the park. Jen, welcome to the Dungeon Master's Block. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. And I actually knew I needed an AKA, thanks to you. Yes. Yes. I yeah, look one. at that. Look at that. <laughs> uh, and we talked about this before we jumped in, but let's just take a moment to recognize we ha we have a, a very few guests that come on that it's just like, man, that last name, Jen's real life last name is a perfect D&D &D last name or first name, really. So uh, maybe there's going to be a whole bunch of Hawkwalds out there um, <gasps> now that we've introduced you, Jen. But uh, so to start off, because this episode is going to be a little bit different and it kind of is an interview in itself uh, and a sharing of a story, 
Uh, we're just going to start off with the surprise question. Uh, so the surprise question that we have for you comes from one of our Patreon dragons, Mindweave RPG. And Mindweave RPG asks, who is your favorite historical figure and what D&D class would they be? Oh my God. Why? It's good, right? <laughs> he comes up with some really good questions. I like that. Um, gosh, I kind of want to say Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. Vampire Hunter? <laughs> I don't want to go the Vampire Hunter route yeah, because yeah. there's a movie about it. Too much, yeah. Wasn't there something else too? Like that they had like a zombie. Uh, there was, but it was yeah, it wasn't Abraham Lincoln. It was like a Pride Prejudice and Zombies. Yes. There you go. Yep. Gosh, he would have been a very charismatic class. I don't want to exactly say Bard. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't like I can't I can't honestly remember uh what other casters do charisma based. Paladin. Is it pa- oh, actually that's even better. That might be perfect. Yes, the paladin. Okay. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln and definitely a paladin because it, it fits. I feel like there has to be art out there of Abraham Lincoln in like a knight, <laughs> shining knight suit of armor, right? Like we, there's all those like America t-shirts with like the presidents <laughs> riding on like the back of dinosaurs and things like that. There has to be some art out there of Abraham Lincoln, the paladin. Now I feel like I need to go find it. <laughs> yeah, if there's not, I'm I'm sure there will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that needs to be a tattoo that you get, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Mindweave RPG, uh, for that awesome question. Jen, thank you so much for that awesome answer. Uh, now we're going to jump into this week's meeting. The topic is, uh, Jen, you, you're the topic. Your story uh, is is the topic. We received an email from you uh, a while back, and every now and then there's... We love all the emails that all of you send us, but every now and then we get an email that is just different and really takes takes us a moment to stop and really read, and um, yours is one of those emails. Uh, and so I guess, Neil, where, how do we start this out? <laughs> Jen, how do we start this out? Well, one of the things that we didn't say in the intro, but if you're a longtime listener, what you've heard is that we, we were referring to someone as the timid DM. Mm-hmm. And we read things and talked about them, uh, a.k.a. a.k.a. Jin is the timid DM. And so I think it's always been one of our goals to help people feel more comfortable behind the screen or even just at the table in general and to to hear it so directly be the case with you, Jen, is that we just wanted to have you on and kind of talk about that story, that journey going from the timid DM to just DM Jen. I don't want you to be the timid DM. You can be if you want. I really, that's up to you. I, I think I always will be. Um, there's really kind of no way around it. But um, we can start with um, pretty much basic everything. My true knowledge and introduction to D&D was sitting in a different room and listening to my husband who was playing with his friends laughing, just absolute laughter. It happened every week and I was curious, but, uh, you know, what's your husband's name? Aaron. Aaron. 
Gotta give him a shout out, AKA. right? <laughs> he is he is no aka. He's not on social media anyway. <laughs> Perfect. AKA DM Air something. <laughs> he's actually the one that came with the gin. Like he's the one that came up with that. Because I was trying to find something cool to do with my last name. I was so focused on the last name. Um, and he was like, Why don't you use gin? And I was like, Oh my god, I'm an idiot. Because <laughs> that that was like so obvious. It's part of my name already. So yes, it, it started with, um, and he was playing 3.5 at that time. So he was going to try and bring me into 3.5 and do all of this, and it never happened. Talking about intimidating, 3.5 certainly is intimidating. Um, I still like, I still talk to him sometimes. Like, um, like I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be like really cool if they had this as a like a race and he's like oh they had that in 3.5 and i was like well whatever then (laughs) Uh, so in 2017 like none of that ever happened i didn't actually ever play 3.5 instead he found the dungeons and dragons board game and so it got me i guess that was 4.0 rules Mm -hmm. sort of thing it made it easier for me to start understanding now i play video games like if you tell me different classes and stuff, I already kind of know that. So me going into Dungeons and Dragons wasn't that hard for understanding a lot of the differences, spell casting, all of this. It was the role playing aspect, the fact that you could do anything that was definitely harder. That's how I started getting into it was the board game. And then eventually in 2018, actually, it was when I first started playing. The very first time was absolutely nerve-wracking but he had gone through and he had done like a couple of uh like short little one shots to help me get understanding better of combat and the mechanics and what you need to roll for and just getting used to a character sheet in general because that's certainly something that isn't involved when it comes to video games or even the uh, board game version so it took it took a lot of time to go from there to actually dming when you started playing, so y- your husband was playing 3.5. Like like we all kind of laughed, 3.5. I mean, I, I still have a soft spot in my heart for 3.5, but it is intimidating. Oh, yeah. uh, there are definitely times I'll look back and be like, ooh, I can pull this from 3.5 and bring it into 5th edition because 5th edition is light on the rules. And that's, for the most part, really great. But sometimes you're like, oh, it'd be really helpful to have this. But then you moved into your first introduction to really like sitting down and playing D and D was one of the fourth edition rule board games, which we've heard a lot like from people who say I'm a, I was a video gamer. Fourth edition was a real good opening of a door for me. When you did sit down and you actually started playing with your husband, was it fourth edition? Was it fifth edition? Was it 3.5? It was five. Okay. Uh, when we when we first started actually playing true D anD D, it was uh, fifth edition. He didn't, except for the board game. He did not want to touch fourth edition. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he skipped over that really quickly, and that's. I think that also was a factor as to why it took me so long to actually play, because it went from three point five, and I don't think he wanted to try and introduce me to that because it, it's very intimidating. There's a lot of rules. And when fifth edition came around, he, like when it first came out, I didn't start playing. Uh, He was playing with his friends still. And I I don't, you know, kind of filling it out and seeing if I was still sort of interested because I was 
really into the uh, the board game. I thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, we actually bought we bought the four board games. There was four of them, I think. And we actually one of the things we did was there's different cards that you draw for encounters or monsters. So we put them all in a box separated by game, and we used to roll a one d four, and that was the card you picked. So you nice. you got a treasure from either one two three four one two three four monster. So that was that was fun being actually able to mix it. So, but yeah, fifth edition was where I actually got introduced, and he did a one shot with me. Like he helped me build my character and everything. I told him what I wanted, and my first character. I, honestly, I hated her. Like, <laughs> and, it was, and it's just because it was my first time making a true character, and now I know how I make characters, which is I find um I find a personality first. And then I go from there. So with her, I I didn't find the personality first. I went through, I picked the class. I wanted to be a ranger. And then I, she was a heir, Genasi. And I was reading about them. And the way that it made it seem was that there was like a lot of them could be kind of like really uppity and a little full of themselves because that particular one was proud of their heritage. And I'm bad at acting like that. So it didn't help. So, like, D&D being a place where you're, sh- like, able to, like, spread your wings and explore different types of characters and things, you- it sounds like almost the mechanics of the race and the lore of the race and, and the class, like, picking those first, did you kind of feel, like, boxed in by that then? Is that... Not... I didn't feel boxed in. Since I was so new, it was hard for me to really... Like, it was a lot at one time. So it's easier for me now because I'm more accustomed to it. I know that some of the different races, I know that, you know what, I don't have to just because it's stereotypical of a dwarf to be angry and whatnot. (laughs) I don't have to be, I could be very friendly and outgoing and happy. So, I mean, that was a thing as well. And that, that just took some time realizing that, you know, just because it's, it's not like a video game. It's not set in stone. This character can act however I want that character to act. Since, uh, I mean, even in video games, you know, you have your option to be good and bad sometimes, but it's just an option. It's not really that you have to flesh out exactly how you're going to act. You know, it's not A or B, it's A through Z and then plus some. Mm -hmm. Um, And that wide range is, it's very intimidating and it's very hard to get used to. That's the hardest part, or I felt that that was the hardest part is I could do all of these different things and I had no idea what to do. So just, I'm just picturing like you, as you said, watching your husband and uh, friends play from the kitchen, not ready to step into it yet, being intimidated to step into it. Was that the thing that intimidated you was the choice or was it the, the rules? Like, was it a mix of those? Was it more of more than that? Like, what was it that held you back? from stepping in and, and playing D&D? Mostly it was just being vocal, uh, being vocal and knowing what to do. So the very first actual game that I was involved in, I sat there and it was, it was all online. You know, his friends are uh, online. They're in different states, all that good stuff. So when they get to play D&D, you know, it's, it's on the headphones and everything. So that was, that was a nice little buffer Yeah. because then I didn't have to worry about um, being face to face. So that did make it easier 
he also told me that um, if I wanted to type my actions out instead of saying them, that was another thing that actually helped me be able to make that thing because I felt silly saying, oh, well, Essen will walk over here and shoot her bow. I felt silly saying that. So instead, I would type it out. And at first, I typed it out, just like I said, you know, not being the actual character. And then the more I came to play, the more I would say, she walks over here, you know, I walk over here. Just that transition to actually going from I'm on the outside and I'm describing what the character does to eventually being the character. All of that took time, but a lot of it was just getting used to the idea of if I'm going to play a character here, I have to play it. It's not going to be an automatic walk thing. But yeah, the, the very first time, you know, I was like, oh, I hope nobody asked me what I'm doing. I was, I almost felt like um, I'd rather just sit there and listen to what everybody else was doing um, instead of actually being a part. So it was being a part that was, uh, I guess, the hardest thing was saying, oh, I guess I can contribute in this way. So voice it sort of thing. That's so true. And I, I mean, as a longtime DM, I feel like I want to be less a part of a game when I'm in it. Um, but that's a whole that's a whole nother podcast. Um, I just want to watch people play if I get the opportunity. Speaking of being a DM, after having that first time experience, I have to assume it went really well, or at least to some degree, it kept feeling like more and more fun because you wanted to take on the mantle of DM honestly far sooner than a lot of people do because you're talking about playing for your first time only a year ago. I mean, a lot of people that ended up playing for a long time don't DM for like a decade. So I mean, kudos to you for being, I mean, you, you claim timid, but man, you are just charging <laughs> right ahead, pushing somebody out of the seat. Um, so what was what was kind of that motivation in that transition again from going from now an engaged player to someone that essentially wants to run the game? So I'm going to say two things here. One, I'm, I so don't know most of the rules still. Like, <laughs> Perfect. That, that, there's at least Me two of us on too. this call. <laughs> oh, that might mean three. <laughs> Secondly, I feel like I have the worst DM style. However, I have been told that I am a great DM. My DM style, I will say first, is horrible, and I say don't ever do it. I go either one of two ways. I either prepare the minimum amount that I can for a game or one shot or whichever it is, or I see at the beginning, I tried to do things, and of course, I've listened to your show. I know, don't <laughs> over-prepare, but I couldn't help it. Yeah. So if I sat there and I tried to prepare, I tried to prepare every little thing. So I would make like a map online. And here I am realizing three hours later, I haven't even done the things that I really needed to do because I was too busy placing barrels on this map that weren't going to do anything. <laughs> like I would get really stuck on small details, wanting to be like perfect. I want them to spend some time on this map. So I want them to really notice these little things, but they're not going to. And I know they're not going to. Now my TM style is really, I have a base outline and um, I have monsters in my mind that I can choose from that I quickly pull up when I need them. And that's, that's the majority of it. And are you saying that that style that you're using now is a bad style? <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad if it works for you. I hope it's not bad because that's 100% no, no, what no. I do every week. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I really hope it's not the worst thing, but um, 
I feel like I should be preparing more, but at the same time, it always usually seems to turn out all right. I always worry about, oh no, I didn't prepare, or oh no, I left uh, my notebook over here so I don't have my notes. So hey, that shopkeeper's name is blank for now. You know, I, I had a name for him, now he's blank. If it makes you feel better, I feel extremely seen with the idea of like, either I have prepared so very little or for some reason I'm like, this is all my life is preparing for this one game. All my money, my time, my resources, friends, everyone get in. And I'm, I don't know why it's I, but I swing both yeah. ways. The other thing that I'll, I'll throw to you and realizing it myself right now with this conversation, which, by the way, it's 100 percent why we're having this conversation, is that the idea of preparation, I think we all assume it has to be writing down stat blocks or it has to be fleshing out what the story is, watching content that you can use or reading content that you can use or looking at articles or doing things. Those are preparation for being a better dm because it's just expanding what you have in your mind because fun fact you can prepare all you want and they're not gonna they're gonna go left every time you want them to go right like so having those things ready rather than like fully prepared i think is just throwing it out there just go watch some more movies absolutely i i've taken uh inspiration not only from uh your podcast uh the dmnastics I've taken it from real play podcast ones that I've listened to, like I'll pause and I'll be like furiously jotting down in my phone uh, memo and be like, that's a great idea. I'm stealing yes. that. Yeah. All of, uh, all anywhere it, it, you can see. And actually this, this happened a while ago. I was leaving for work and I work overnight or I did. I don't anymore, but I happened to look over just over left or right in a field. And I saw like a dark shadow. And that dark shadow made me think of a very elongated, furry, canine kind of beast. And I was like, wouldn't that be awesome for like riding? Wouldn't that be a great mount? It would, looks really stealthy and it slinks around. And then, so now I, have a, I haven't written anything for it, but I have an idea of making a uh, module or campaign that um, is based on mounts that actually help what you are. So if you're a rogue, you might want to mount like that because it adds to your stealth, you know, while you're mounted, all that good stuff. But, you know, see, this is like, this is like a D this is like a support group for me going on right now, because this is just <laughs> confirmation that I'm not the only one who lives 24 seven with D and D on the brain that like, I'll be somewhere that it's just like, this is so not a Dungeons and Dragons environment. What we're doing right now is not based on D and D and something will trigger in my mind through something I hear or see. And it's just like, Ooh, plot twist idea for the campaign that I'm running right now. And I'll just write it into my like phone, just like you said, or I mean, I've had moments where I wake up in the middle of the night from a dream and I'm like, that's a good D and D thing right there. And I'll write it like, but that's, it's funny. Cause you're talking about preparation. And I think for a lot of us who maybe think, honestly, maybe think about D and D and our campaigns, a little bit more than we probably healthily should. We're kind of say, always the two you're going to get robbed because yeah. <laughs> you're just like, what's that shadow? It looks like a cool mount. No, you should run. Let's you should run, you fools. I have to get a closer look. I, I need to make a sketch. <laughs> but like, I think we're, I think in a sense, like a lot of us who step into the DM position and like are creating worlds, like we're kind of always preparing in a sense if we're, 
thinking about the story, thinking about the characters who uh, our players uh, have and like what are some cool ideas we can throw their way. I think there's a lot of preparation going on that we don't maybe give ourselves credit for. Yeah, I feel um, definitely like inspiration is completely around you. I actually, I heard something in another podcast and it was like a Ember dog, I think they said, or maybe they said Ash dog. And I was like, that'd be really cool. And instantly came to mind a, a canine that had, uh, was completely black, but had like cracks, mm. um, just like a breaking Ember would. And uh, I realized that I can use that kind of concept, um, a campaign that I'm, I'm running with just, it's just me and my husband. So it's just, it, it's kind of, give him uh you know something that'll help him um so he's not just one on his own and probably make it easier to balance some of the encounters but it would be something that he would be sort of like a like a familiar or a pet sort of thing i ended up talking to him about it and so now it's a um it's a bird it's completely white instead of being <laughs> any type of canine and it's it's got like yellow swirls on it so um eventually depending on how long and how far they go in the campaign it's i think it i think it made it so it was like either a warlock or a sorcerer stat sort of thing that i was using and it would have like very limited spells sort of thing but that won't even be for a long time right now it's a bird and it can't fly still <laughs> so and that was that was taken from some other podcast but and we all do that <laughs> And we all should whenever I'm watching a show and I'm like, man, that's really cool. I want to bring that. I just in my mind, I go, uh, are any of the players that are sitting at my table watching the show right now? <laughs> like, because if they're not, then heck yeah, I'm going to use it. <laughs> and I know um, uh, I realized that when I was talking about my DM style, you would actually ask a question and I feel bad because it's almost like I didn't answer it on purpose. <laughs> but what got me to the DM chair was actually... Um, my husband and his group of friends, it's um, three of them can DM, like, or feel comfortable DMing, I should say. And honestly, my husband, he doesn't get to play as much as he would like to. So that's really what started it. It's, um, it's either that he's DMing or his, usually it's one of his other friends because the third friend is usually really, really busy. So he rarely, rarely DMs. And he had mentioned that he never got to actually play in a lot of games together with his one friend because it's either he's DMing or his friend is DMing. So that was the ultimate goal, uh, is to start a campaign, which um, we're actually talking about. Um, I don't want to mess the name of the book up. It's Ghost of Salt, Salt Marsh. Yeah, so th there is a possibility that we're going to get that one and they want me to run it for them. And it might be all of the friends, but I don't know yet. Well, I am about to start running it for my group. So anytime you have questions, you should let me know. <laughs> and if I have questions, I'm going to let you know. <laughs> so would you say when you, when you stepped into that like chair behind the screen to be a DM with the mindset being my husband doesn't get to play as much as he would like to, would you even describe it as you wanted to DM at that point? Or did you feel like it was more of a like, or maybe it was a mix, you know, was it, was it like, I really want to do this or yeah. Yeah, it was, it was definitely kind of mixed, but one of the things is I wanted to try it. I am like never opposed to trying new things. So when 
the, and I don't even know how it came about, um, but I just kind of got it in my head that maybe I should DM. So the, oh, I remember, I remember the first time, the first time we were literally sitting in the chairs and I said, all right, no, 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 let's, let's do this. And I came up with an encounter just like, as I went along, we were just both sitting on the couch and I told him to describe me a character. All right. Well, your character wakes up and they find themselves in, and I described like a, it was like a prison cell. And while he was thinking of things he could do, I was already coming up with three different ways that he could get out. That way he had options. That was literally my very first experience. It was very impromptu, very highly improv. After that, it was almost kind of like a little bug. I was like, you know what? That was kind of cool. I didn't think I did horribly on that. Let's try it again. So a little bit later, I actually did a true one shot, you know, like with battle and all this other stuff and dice rolling. And he seemed to enjoy it. So it all just started kind of not really snowballing, but in the same kind of effect going from there where I was like, well, you know, I'm not doing too bad. Nobody seems to be hating the time. Um, let me take it to the next step. So then it was involving more people. And currently, um, I am running Ravenloft. Although it, it is unfortunate that uh, since I've recently changed, because I used to work overnight, now I work the day shift, I might have to actually stop that one <laughs> just because of schedule. But Ravenloft was one of the first campaigns that I actually played in. And I, so I have a slight fondness for it. That's awesome. And also that's like, that's one of the smartest ways to start trying to be a DM. Like you have, you literally had a thought experiment without any rules or regulations or anything. I don't know. That just sounds like the smartest way to go about it. And then gradually add in more rules elements. I mean, that, that idea works well for both you as the DM and people that are first time players. Because I think we get too, and oh well, I guess I'll admit it. I'm too bogged down with the rules when I recently tried to show new people how to play. I'm just like, this is all of D&D for 20 years. Here, let's go. And didn't go back to the essence of like, no, you really need to train people. Kind of like your initial hangups are like, well, what do I do? I can do anything. So what do I do? I, I've been in these board games. I've played these video games where I can quite literally do x and y sometimes a and b you know, <laughs> left trigger right trigger all that um but presenting it as a completely open thought experiment before adding rules is awesome i don't know everyone just go do that i mean um he is very uh rules based so it's it's really funny because when i started the campaign that i'm doing with just him i wanted it to be a we create the world experience and it was really hard for him. Mm. He's like, you're the DM. You tell me what it's called. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, no, no. We're doing this <laughs> together. What is the name of the butcher shop you work at? Uh, so he started doing that. And he's actually really mad at me about it because um, more or less, I didn't destroy the town. Okay. I didn't destroy the town. <laughs> the town is still there. But uh, it was more or less either you're going to end up being a slave or you need to evacuate, which was the campaign plan. That was the plan in the campaign was to get him out because the base deal was that he was, you know, a small person in this town that's been in this town their whole life. But going along with the uh, thought experiments, uh, we actually did this when um, we did another time where I was just coming up with a story and he was being a character and we were flipping a coin to see if it worked or not. 
let's say, do you you actually know where, I don't remember the names of it, but um, do you know where the mountain is or do you accidentally go towards the forest, flip a coin? Oh, looks like you do know where the mountain is. So you head that direction. It was really nice to kind of do that. And that was when I was real new. So I was trying to work on my improv, I guess, better to be able to have reaction time instead of me going, wait, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what's going on and I can't handle this. There has been moments where that happened. Uh, I was also sleep deprived, so that didn't help. But we were, uh, it was my first time uh, dealing with invisibility and I didn't have a rules book handy. I didn't have any of that stuff. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do. (laughs) It was a, it was a bad day. But and that happens. That happens. Um, one of the things I've learned, especially since I'm lucky enough to have my my husband be my main player and my main tester, so if I want to test something, I can easily run it by him really quick. Is that he's uh, he's forgiving. So if I if I go, you know what, I don't like the way that this is going or the way that this has turned out. I can't cope with this. He helps me out when it comes to that. But. In all honesty, he's kind of one of those players that uh, likes to break the game a lot. <laughs> so probably not the best person <laughs> for me to always have little one-shot ideas with, but um, it actually in some ways makes it better because it helps me think on my toes. I was going to say, that was uh, that would, you hear that a lot kind of with the early days of Gary Gygax. Everyone always pins him as this very adversarial dm i mean but the other side of that is you also have adversarial players but it was also people don't i think they lose sight of the fact that there was a lot of play testing so it was genuinely like i'm bringing this to you and you need to try and break it or it's not all the way built and you broke through this kind of gaping hole i left for you that's not that's not anyone's fault and it's not this big back and forth i mean Having someone that they can do that and you can still be friends sounds <laughs> very beneficial to playtesting and figuring stuff out. Because you could definitely have someone do it and you won't be friends. <laughs> and if I want that, I'll just play Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, three hours in. <laughs> so I'm really encouraged like hearing your story of going from being on the outside of your husband's group to stepping in and being a player to like Neil said, then very soon afterwards stepping uh, like away from the spot of a player to being the DM for your husband. uh, Sometimes just your husband, sometimes your husband and his friends. And it sounds like this has been such a, like this game of Dungeons and Dragons and role playing um, and stepping into being a DM and running games for your husband, that it has been just such a, a good thing for you guys uh, as a, as a couple and uh, that you're able to enjoy this shared interest and have fun. Uh, And I imagine there are moments where like your husband's looking at you and he's just super proud of you as a DM and you're looking at him as, as a player and you're like excited when like he gets excited about something that you're created or you're proud of him because of uh, what his character uh, has figured out or done or whatever it is. So one of the things uh, in the email that you wrote us uh, was, I mean, you told us a little bit more about your personal life and stuff going on. um, And I was wondering maybe if you wanted to touch on that, because 
from the email, it sounds like that is is a big part of everything going on with you being a DM, taking that step into that DM chair and and playing with your husband's group. So if you feel comfortable, I'd love to hear more. Yeah. Um, so I'll start actually with saying that um, this month, my husband and I will have been together for four years. We've only been married for one. Congratulations. Thank you. I think it's been about, I mean, he has polycystic kidney disease. It's a genetic disorder. There isn't a cure for it. And it essentially means that um, his kidneys grow cysts, so his kidneys don't filter right. So what ends up happening is you have to get a transplant. Uh, You go either on dialysis or the other plan is to do nothing and you, you know, eventually you will pass. In all honesty, my husband had no intention of going into treatment until he met me. So... I don't know if you can say that this is my way of trying to make sure that there is increased enjoyment, but he does really enjoy D&D so much that I, I want to make it enjoyable for him. The one little campaign that I'm doing that's just between me and him, I kid you not that we spent probably six hours the first session playing and all he accomplished was stupid stuff <laughs> and he loved it. It was, it was the best thing ever. He was, he works in a butcher shop. He went out hunting to get more meat. He sold meat. He talked to people. That was pretty much everything he did in like the first six hours. I did introduce the bad guy, you know, at the end of it, but that was really it. Like that first six hours was him getting to enjoy it. And at the end, you know, he gave me a hug and he said, it is so stupid but that is probably the best session I've ever had. I got to do whatever I wanted. You know, there wasn't, he didn't have to worry about what other people wanted to do. You know, when you are a DM and you are a player, you you still have sort of that mentality where you want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to play and gets a chance to say, even when I play, I kind of notice myself doing things like that, even though I haven't been DMing very long. So the fact that he was able to just have this moment it was all about him. This is his story. He gets to tell it. It was, it was really nice, really encouraging. And um, I mean, that's, that's what it's for. It's all for fun. And I do have like, and this is why I don't do a lot of uh, face-to-face play games because I get too excited. (laughs) I get too excited for what the players are about to discover. Like, Oh, you want to go and investigate that? Yes. <laughs> Your face do. gives it away. <laughs> yes. My face gives it away. Like uh, we sit across from the table and he says that he wants to go do this. And I'm like smiling and <laughs> I can't hide it. Like, Oh, you're doing something that I was hoping you would do. Or, Oh no, you're doing something that I didn't want you to do. I do have a tendency to do that as a DM where I get like, you hear about the, uh, player versus DM mentality that some people do have, you know, some people do enjoy that. I'm probably more of a player than a DM when it comes to that, because I'm like, yes, yes, that sounds cool. We're going to do it. We're going to make that work somehow. You want to see them triumph. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That doesn't mean they, they can't die. You know, me personally, as a, as a player, I was super excited when I thought my character was going to die because I thought it was super cool. Like, I don't remember the monster that we were up against, but 
it had me in its mouth. And I guess if I died in its mouth, it, it made me into a zombie sort of thing. It was a really challenging thing. And my particular character at that moment was all of my characters are chaotic for starters. And uh, so my character was bored and started wandering around and searching around and uh, ended up in this mess. And uh, I was pretty sure I was going to die. So on the outside, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. This monster is really cool. But yeah, if I had been DMing that, I would be like, oh gosh, how can I get them out? Because I don't want them to die. These are my players. They're like my babies. I don't yeah. want them to die. But I mean, in, in Ravenloft, I added like um, a little like underground fight thing just for added flair that people wouldn't see coming. Well, they split the party. So <laughs> the, the, uh, the one thing that was meant for all four players ended up going against two and I was like, oh no, oh no, they're going to die. Okay, well, how can I fix this? So yeah, I had to definitely dial back that encounter because uh, I didn't realize while reading the uh, the monster's card uh, or the stat sheet that he had four consecutive attacks that he did every round. And I was like, oh, I might have missed that. Being a DM is uh, is certainly interesting, and you have to actually have a reason, I feel. Um, if you're not having fun doing it, it's going to show, and it's going to go around. And it's it's the same with being a player. I've noticed that when you're, when you're in a bad mood in Dungeons & Dragons, it goes either one of two ways. Either the game actually gets you out of your bad mood, or your bad mood just stays there and other people kind of get down. Well, it's just like... Um with what you're saying, I struggle with that same feeling of dread when one of my players characters is facing death. Um, and I know that there are times where my, the, the player might be sitting there going, I'd be okay with this. This is a cool way to die. And sometimes you can right. read that in a face and sometimes you can't, but I think those of us that feel that dread in those moments, I think for a, for a lot of us, and this is what I'm hearing when you're sharing it, is that if this was a book you were writing, you wouldn't hesitate to kill that character, right? Because nobody's getting hurt and you're able to write that character away and it's it can be that moment of, yes, that was good. And as the author, you could just be like, I'm so happy with the way that this character move is moving on. But when you're staring at a, a friend or a husband or a wife or whatever it is, you're, you're worried because you're like, I care about this person. If they want this character to die because this is cool. Awesome. But I don't want them to feel like I just killed their character and don't care. And I like to like, that's what I'm getting from you when, when you're sharing that. And it's just really, I, I don't know how to dis describe it, but to hear you share about, the stuff that you and your husband are, are struggling with in, in real life, it sounds like like I don't I don't want to overplay the game of Dungeons and Dragons, but it does sound like at, at, at its best, it is something that is a shared love for you guys. And maybe when you are having not that it not that D&D is going to stop a rough week or a rough day or a rough month or whatever from happening, but it's something that it allows you guys to to bond to get together with friends and to, to be a little bit of a break sometimes from 
life when sometimes life is good and sometimes life is is struggle and rough. And it sounds like that's kind of it's been that for for you guys. And it sounds like that's what's kind of motivated you throughout this process of looking in from the kitchen, wanting to join your husband and wanting to join him as a player and then wanting to run games for him. It sounds like that's kind of been that motivation. Indeed. Uh, A lot of it has. And I know I told you earlier off the air, but it was really one of those things of standing on the outside and looking in and because of anxiety and shyness and everything, I didn't, I didn't want it to stop me from doing another thing that I thought I would enjoy. I like games. I like um, playing and doing things. And I didn't want to be stopped from actually diving into a game that although is very intimidating and, you know, it's, it's obviously been around quite some time. He's definitely very well-versed in rules and, uh, you know, mechanics and everything like that, where even though I'm, you know, on the outside, I still wanted to be a part of it. And I decided that I didn't want to keep myself out of it just because I thought I might get a little bit of anxiety. And the situation that we have going on actually did help progress that. And it definitely helped progress the DM status as well. I actually have a bag that uh, we take like everywhere. And I do have a notebook, a clipboard actually inside. And inside there is a bag that has dice in it. So I actually do have the makings for impromptu yes. D&D wherever. Luckily, usually I can get Wi-Fi a lot of places. So um, I really do heavily use uh, like D&D Beyond. I also use them. Um, they have uh, Encounters of the Week on there as well. So every now... Mm-hmm. Na- yeah, every now and then um, I'll go and I'll grab one of those. Like if we feel like doing D and D, but I don't, you know, don't want to actually go too far into something or you know make something up. If I'm feeling lazy, I guess I just pull one of those up. And I did that actually. We went and visited his friends in uh, North Carolina a little bit ago, and I actually pulled up and I was reading through and I read two encounters and I was going to stack them depending on how the first one played out. And uh, they all had a lot of fun. And I found out that I'm also jealous of his dice table because he has like an actual RPG table that like sinks in and is felt. So you, oh, yeah. so you can have it as like a, a dining table and then you pull the top out and then it's, it's the amazing. best thing ever. <laughs> so jealous. Do you think that this experience that you've kind of come on to share with us about, do you think that going forward beyond Dungeons and Dragons, but like, other situations come up where it's like you see something and you're like, man, I'm kind of intimidated by that, but I kind of would like to try that. I'd kind of like to step into that. Do you think that this will be something, this process that you've gone through will be something to spur you ahead when stuff comes along in life that you're like, yeah, that's, that's not something that I feel totally comfortable with. Uh, I feel a little intimidated by that. Will, will you look back on this process? I think it'll definitely help. I don't want to say that I've become more outgoing uh, because I've always been like a weird mix of introvert versus extrovert anyway. Like I have no problem talking to people in the right circumstances, I guess. But I mean, if you can sit there and make up things on the spot for, for like four people and try and decide how it's going to go, is this, is this going to work? Is it going to succeed? 
I think it does help bolster uh, confidence quite a bit. So I think going forward, I might be able to get into more things. Like, uh, for example, I have always wanted to go to like a, a convention, but I'm super terrified. And I think I'll get there one day. I know that um, EtherCon, which is an online one, I was looking into it and I think about it. And I don't know if I'm going to go to this one this year, but I might go to a convention next year. Don't know. Of course, it'll be, you know, how everything plays out. But it is, uh, it is now a goal of mine after becoming a DM to actually go to a convention and go to a convention, not only um, to a convention, but uh, maybe with some cosplay. Awesome. Hopefully something light and maybe also something that sticks out <laughs> so I don't bump into people. <laughs> May we suggest a catacon? Because then we'll get to meet you in person. <laughs> I have heard so much about it. I wonder from where. Um, <laughs> I mean, my, my husband did tell me that, oh, gosh, you have the makings of a professional, you know, paid, paid to play DM. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's but, fantastic. I mean, I, he says that because I have patience. <laughs> I have patience with my players. So like required. When, yes. He gets he gets tired of a uh, conversation and shenanigans, but as a player, I get tired of the talk. So most of my players are like really chaotic. Like if they get bored, they have a tendency to wander off. <laughs> so, <laughs> like like their characters or their <laughs> or the players or both. It all depends. <laughs> well, I, sh- I should I should say that I am, um, and this is probably really why my first character like I don't like her. All of my characters are very RPG based, like role play based. So one of my next characters was a rogue tabaxi. He was an inquisitive rogue and his name was Knight. And if he got bored, he would do random things. So like usually it, most of it is just wandering. Um, well, you know, if you, if you don't stop him and he decides to do something, he'll do it. It was in Ravenloft. And uh, I don't want to, can I say spoilers? Like, is that a spoil thing? I don't know. We haven't really done that before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, spoilers. Spoilers. Get out of here. Don't want to spoil Skip ahead for the next 30s. Curse of Strahd's been around for like 30 years. Come on. It has been. Um, Well, there's a part where there's a wagon. And in the wagon is a saber tooth tiger. Well, um, the two not responsible characters, my character and another character, uh, stumbled upon this and they're like, Oh my gosh, we should totally free this animal. So they did. Nice. As per the module, if the saber tooth tiger encounters Bastani, it attacks it. And it did. And uh, yeah. So for the rest of the game, the paladin who I don't remember where he was when we let the tiger out, but uh, the paladin was like, no, no, where are you going? You stay right here. You're not allowed to wander anymore. And uh, it happened anyway. They were talking to somebody and I went outside and then I ended up in a basement that I discovered that the particular person that they were talking to and trying to maybe form an alliance with, I don't remember, but uh, they had undead in their, in their basement. So probably not the best of allies. (laughs) All right, Jen, I have, I have maybe one more question for you uh, before we wrap up for listeners out there who either, (laughs) have gotten to this point in our show, this episode in our show, and still haven't taken that leap 
uh, into being a dungeon master, or uh, or maybe they have, uh, but they're still struggling uh, with confidence, or they have a friend who they're like, man, I really would like to see him or her like step into trying DMing. I think that they would be really good at it if they would just try, but like for whatever reason, they don't want to. Like, is there any advice or any words that you'd like to share for anybody out there who uh, maybe knows somebody or has gone through this similar situation? I think uh, the first thing that I, I do say about it is, and it's it's exactly what I did, is looking back at my entire life and seeing how many times anxiety and being shy has stopped me from doing something. There's always been periods in my life where I've gone outside the box and it changed my life uh, drastically. I met uh, one of my oldest friends that way. I decided to step up and do something and I ended up getting a friend for life. You don't know until you try. And even though trying is scary, especially if you have like, uh, maybe you're a player and you know, the rest of your friends have been DMs or maybe you have one friend who is a DM. That's, that's probably the most ideal situation is to talk to your friend who is a DM. And um, if you're still just a player, talk to them, say, you know, I might be interested. Would you mind doing like a one shot with me? A a lot of people are going to be excited about that because let's face it, DMing can be um, not only intimidating, but sometimes it's hard work. You know, it's, it's easy to be a player. You don't have to think about the stats or what's going to happen in the future. But being a DM is also exhilarating. So it's like, I guess, a a double-edged sword. And the really hardest part of being a DM is picking up the blade. Because once you do that, you honestly, I don't know how to describe it any other way, but you get bit by that bug and you want to do it again. And you you like to see the looks on your players' faces when they find out, oh, you know, it's trapped or, oh, hey, guess what? That old really nice guy that we've been helping us this entire time the old trope, um, he's actually the bad guy. No. <laughs> it's one of those things that um, I can tell you again and again to believe in yourself and do it. But no matter what, like I said, my, my husband thinks that I'm a great DM. I do not think that about myself. I think I'm capable of being a DM, but I don't feel as if my confidence is through the roof with my DMing ability. So even if you're a DM currently and your confidence is low, the best thing to do is definitely ask your players. Ask your players what they think. I mean, and I'm, I always thought that I would be, you know, really insecure and I would ask people too much. So I didn't ask at all. And I just gauged on, you know, how things worked out and um, if they seemed to come back sort of thing. And they did. They keep coming back and they make time and everything like that. But as long as your players are there, usually a lot of them don't mind telling you how they feel about certain things. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the basis of it is I find communication actually works a lot better than we feel it does. Yeah. And needs to be part of it because lack of communication hurts a lot more than oh, we yes. think that it does. Um, that is a hundred percent the case. That was a, that, that one part of your answer, I was like, Ooh, she thought about this. You described it as a double-bladed sword and about picking it up. I'm like, this is too good. This is like what you read on the back of a book, like as like the review like of the book. So 
Oh, that was that was one hundred percent improv. I'm getting better at that part. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe your husband is right. Maybe you are an amazing DM. But yeah, thank thanks for sharing that with our listeners. Definitely. uh, Thanks for having me. Um, I've been a longtime fan, and I'm glad that I didn't go like the fangirl route, (laughs) and I was able to talk. (laughs) I was going to say you stepped like. I love that you said and are doing the exact thing you're suggesting to other people. You stepped out. You were willing to accept our offer yeah. to come on and be willing to share. And I I just want to, I mean, I really don't care what anyone else thinks at this point because I just want to thank you for being so willing and open to share that story because there's some really tough stuff in there. And I think my big takeaway is that while you do have a very visible scenario where you know that you're very actively helping someone feel better by using Dungeons and Dragons. I want to throw it out there to everyone listening. Like there are so many of your players that you'll never hear that from. And that's okay. I mean, just know at the end of the day, that is what you are accomplishing as a dungeon master because you are facilitating that play. I mean, you may never hear it. It may be a thankless job. It definitely is. It sometimes let's be honest Um, (laughs) and hurting cats and getting it (laughs) scheduled, but (laughs) Thank you again just for coming on and being willing to share. Of course. Like when I got the response email and the ask, I I literally dropped the phone and I was like, (laughs) I don't know if I could do that. But but here I am. (laughs) Another step, which is fantastic. If our if our listeners after hearing this episode, maybe maybe they have similar stories that they'd like to share with you. Maybe they'd like to just talk with you a little bit more. Is there a place that they could do that at i am on twitter i am super new on twitter (laughs) i am literally trying to make sure that i don't get this wrong it is at dm jen which is d-j-i-double-n and the name on there is timid dm jen that is definitely me and uh you can message me there i have no problem with that yeah i'm also uh at uh timid dm jen spelled the same at gmail Perfect. And we'll put those in the show notes. So uh, yeah, if you have a similar story or maybe you just really enjoyed this episode um, and want to thank Jen for sharing it, uh, certainly reach out and just let her know. And if you would like to to pay for Jen to be your DM for a session, how much are you charging now, Jen? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because I actually thought that maybe a thing of my possible hopeful podcast that maybe one day might come to fruition was that I could actually help uh, people learn how to play uh, and learn to step over that barrier by actually saying, if you want me to run a game for you. And then I realized, what if I get too many requests? (laughs) High demand. Then you say no to people because you got to take care of yourself too. I mean, definitely, I would look forward to any messages. Um, being a player or a DM in Dungeons & Dragons when you have anxiety and a lack of confidence, is it's hard. And I do understand that. And I would definitely like to talk to anybody that might need help uh, making that push uh, to being a player, to becoming a DM. It's a different experience and I think it's helped it's helped me in my general life for the better and I actually get more fun out of dungeon uh dungeons and dragons in general now wonderful well thanks so much for like Neil said for stepping out coming on the show sharing with us and with all the listeners uh just your story 
um, and your words of wisdom there. Again, thank you for having me. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Like we said, different than other episodes we've done in the past, but I think it was it was different in a good way. And it was great to have Jen join us. Thanks again, Jen, for coming onto the show, for sharing your story with us. If you'd like to reach out to us like Jen and tell us how DMing has affected your life for the better, or you'd like to write into us for a whole number of other different reasons, Neil, where can they get in touch with us at? You can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you like this episode or any of the others and you see fit, head over to iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and leave us a five-star review. That way we can read it on air like we did for Lord Dundar. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are the best place to go if you'd like updates about the show. We have a Patreon shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... DM... Killer... Beaver... Thunder... Strike. Yes, that's right. Thank you so much, Patreon Dragon member, who named themselves DM Killer Beaver Thunderstrike. Fantastic name. Thank you so much for your support. You're awesome. And you're definitely going into a campaign of mine immediately like literally <laughs> probably the next game i play will have killer beaver thunderstrike yes what kind of i'm try, what what race and class is killer beaver thunderstrike it has to be a druid obviously i mean because oh. you could turn into a killer beaver and have thunderstrike oh, so he's not a killer of beavers oh no he's a killer, killer beaver, beaver. Thunderstrike. understood understood love it as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, and you can check out our other shows like We're So Bad at Adventuring, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Geek Wars, and more. Well, that's it for this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters using Killer Beaver Thunderstrike, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch, reminding you to always keep on Dungeon Mastering. It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice. Tell one of your players that it's a costumed event, but not the rest of them. Goodbye.